Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael Scott. How are you today, sir? I am doing well. Thank you, sir. I'm actually incredibly excited to to do this episode today. Yes, and this is an episode, and, and for the listeners, this is think of this kind of as a bonus episode, because when we sat down and discussed doing the Terminator franchise, I think we had hinted at potentially maybe doing the Sarah Connor Chronicles, but it was more of just kind of a throwaway. Hey, maybe we could do this. Uh, But I don't think either of us really gave it too much thought at the time. But, you know, a lot of people have reached out to us and said, are you going to talk about the Sarah Connor Chronicles? And, you know, we've just wrapped up these six films that those are out and they've been doing great numbers. So I thought, Mike, let's let's do a bonus episode. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about the Sarah Connor Chronicles. What's going to be even, I think, more interesting is apart from the pilot episode, I've never really watched this series before. I was familiar with it, but in 2008 when it came out, it wasn't really something I think I was really interested in. I think I was still a little bit uh, uneasy after my initial thoughts on Terminator 3, which we all know have changed. But Mike, I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to you first. When did this come on your radar and what, if any, anticipation did you have for this TV series? So it came on my radar, I don't know, right around... When they announced it, you know, they usually kind of announce the fall TV shows in like January, February, somewhere around there. And so I remember very vaguely remember watching the pilot thinking it was fine, but it came out at a time that would have been 2007, I think, when the pilot came out. It was at a time when I wasn't watching a ton of TV, you know, streaming and binging TV shows hadn't quite become the thing that it is now. And so a lot of it was still you had to watch it every week. And I just wasn't really committing to any TV shows. So I I watched the pilot and then I just never watched any more episodes and it got canceled and I just it was never a show that I really had any interest in watching so but for this series I probably would never have even given it two thoughts um and so yeah it was not really I guess the best way to say it is not really on my radar to say a whole lot I like you I saw the pilot and probably had the same reaction that you had, which was sort of like, huh, well, I mean, there's a there's a little bit of fan service in there. So there's some nods to, to the films. It wasn't really grabbing my attention. And then I think that when the series premiered, I had missed like the first couple episodes. And like you mentioned perfectly, like there was no binging. Uh, there was no really... I didn't have, like you had DVRs, but I hadn't set this for DVRs and the on-demand service with my cable company, I don't think was something that I was really utilizing. So my, I think my thought process was kind of like, well, I've missed the first couple episodes, whatever, because you're absolutely correct. There was really no way to just go back and watch it. There wasn't a Hulu that would premiere it the next day. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Yeah. So for the listeners who aren't 100% sure, can you just give a brief synopsis of exactly what the Sarah Connor Chronicles is? Yeah. So it's a it's a two season TV show uh, that was uh, created and show run by Josh Friedman, who was coming off of we can talk a little bit more about him, but he was coming off. He was a bit of a nobody, but he had some cachet because he wrote the Steven Spielberg War of the Worlds. Uh, so he was coming off that he had a bit of a cachet. So this takes place after Terminator 2. A few years later, John's a little bit older. He's maybe instead of 10, it looks like he's about 16. I think they mentioned in the first season he's 15 and and, 
uh, as the series goes on, I think he ends up about 16 or 17. He and Sarah are just basically hiding out. They've stopped Judgment Day, but they're wanted because they're still blamed for the death of Miles Dyson and everything that happened in Terminator 2. When we find out that they didn't actually stop Judgment Day uh, for a variety of reasons, and uh, Terminator comes back to try and kill John. This is all in the first 15 minutes of the pilot, folks. I'm not really spoiling anything. Yeah. Uh, a fellow classmate of John's, a weird girl named Cameron, uh, ends up saving him, and we find out that Cameron, played by Summer Glau, is another Terminator sent back to protect John by John himself. The episode ends with them having to time jump to 2007, primarily as a cost save measures so they didn't have to keep doing uh, old stuff and uh, and we're off to the races they bring in a bunch of other stuff and but that that is the setup that is where we're off to the races on this show kind of a simple premise if you think about it like it doesn't it's not your head's not exploding trying to think about all the different plot devices that they've introduced in this pilot episode it's kind of like okay well we're still doing this but it wasn't too complicated and I rewatched the pilot for this conversation and uh, yeah I, I enjoyed it Let's talk a little bit about, you know, the actors in this particular case, starting with the titular character of Sarah Connor, this time played by Lena Headey. So this series comes out in 2008. By this point, Linda Hamilton has uh, played Sarah Connor twice. We have to put all our, our minds back to 2008. There hasn't been a Terminator 4, 5, and 6. There hasn't been anyone else to play Sarah Connor. So with that being said, Mike, what did you think of Lena Headey's performance as Sarah Connor? So I'm going to try and I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. And, 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 you know, Dana, you know, we've had conversations, you know, what watching this show has been for me. So I'm going to try and restrain myself from getting too excited. But I will say that I think, you know, coming up to this, Lena Headey was on her way up. She had just done 300. She played Queen Gorgo in 300. Um, she was an up and coming actress. People now know her as... Um, as Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones, which was a, a show that, you know, she picked up, basically jumped into more or less right after this one was canceled. I thought she was, uh, she's an absolutely fantastic Sarah Connor. She doesn't look or act like Linda Hamilton, um, but I think that's good. Uh, you know, we don't want uh, somebody trying to do a Linda Hamilton impression. What she does have, though, is the the soul of the character. She alternates throughout the series between being a kind, loving mother and the absolutely sort of batshit vengeance machine that we saw Sarah in as part of, you know, that middle part of Terminator 2. I mean, she makes a lot of tough decisions and is willing to almost sacrifice her relationship with John to protect him. So there's some, she's doing some really interesting stuff and some really good work in here. She's not, I think the strongest. And when I say she's not the strongest part of the show, I'm not saying she's not strong. I just happen to think there are a couple of other actors and characters that are stronger, but I think she is a fantastic Sarah Connor. Um, you know, I didn't hate Amelia Clark. We talked about her in Genesis. I thought she was fine. <laughs> it's a weird Game of Thrones connection there, but I think Lena Headey just leaves Amelia Clark in the dust as far as a good Sarah Connor. Uh, so I I think she's pretty terrific in this. Uh, Summer Glau playing the uh, Cameron, the T-900. What did you think of her performance in the show? 
Well, so first of all, let me talk about the uh, like 15 year long crush I've had on Summer Glau. So for those who've never seen Firefly, Summer Glau plays uh, River Tam in that show. And uh, that's where I first saw her. She's a former ballerina. And so she's actually kind of made her way into action stuff because she she's she can move and uh, she can do fight choreography really well. Uh, we actually named our cat River. That's how much my wife and I like her character in Firefly. And so it is kind of a bit surprising that I didn't watch this show. She was actually my big the reason I wanted to watch it initially. Um, unfortunately, in the pilot, she doesn't get as much work to do. She's just basically a Terminator. But that being said, as the show goes on, I think Cameron is, is and obviously we can talk about the fact that it's a nice nod. I mean, her name's Cameron for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she is one of the most interesting characters in the show because she is, and, and unfortunately, because the show got canceled, they tease some things. So we're not entirely sure who, her character is. We know she's a Terminator. We know she was sent back by John, but we don't know quite uh, much about her. But she is, there's a real interesting relationship that she develops. And I'll talk about that more later with, with John. But in terms of just needing to believe that she is somebody that is entirely devoted to protecting John Connor uh, and will, in fact, kill anyone or anything that threatens John Connor, she's completely believable. Complete side note, I do want to say uh, meeting her was one of the best celebrity encounters I've ever had. I was lucky enough to go to one of the very, very early Firefly screenings and she and Joss Whedon were there. And I said this before, I think even on this show about meeting Paul Walker and how he glowed. She glows as much as Paul Walker. Like sometimes you just meet famous people and you're just like, oh, I know why you're famous. And she is one of those people. So I'm gushing a little bit and uh, being a little creepy, but I love her in this show. She's fantastic. So Brian Austin Green as Derek Reese. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, anybody that follows me on Twitter knows I ride or die for 90210. So I was super excited that he was in this. That being said, uh, as much as I ride or die for 90210, he was one of the weak links in 90210. And I think he is one of the weak links in this show. He he plays Derek Reese. He plays uh, Kyle Reese's brother who comes back from the future to again try and protect John and, and, and all of that stuff. Uh, one thing to note, something that might upset Terminator purists with this series is they're just sending all kinds of fucking Terminators back. There's probably 10 Terminators coming back in this show. They just come back and resistance fighters come back and stuff. It's an acceptable sacrifice because it's a TV show. They've got to they've got to keep it going. But the biggest problem I have with him is he's he's just kind of if you imagine just a one note badass, uh, he's almost like a cliche of a one note badass. He's just up until kind of the end of season two. He's just not very interesting. He's a very shallow character and there's not very much going on. He and John have some decent interactions. He and Sarah again as the show goes on have some decent interactions but he's not it takes him 10 or 15 episodes to become anything that I thought sort of think is interesting I think he is by far and away the weakest link of, of all the cast in the show now having not seen much uh, much of anything beyond the pilot are there any other notable names that make an appearance in this series well, so one is a an actor, a character actor that a lot of people will recognize. His name's Garrett Dillahunt. He's been in um, Burn Notice. Uh, he was the bad guy, the main bad guy in the new Last House on the Left. He's a phenomenal actor. But the other big name is, I talked about my 15-year crush on Summer Glau. Let's talk about my 30-year 
crush on the almighty fiery Scottish lead singer of Garbage, Shirley Manson, who shows up in season two. Uh, it was her first acting role, and she's absolutely fantastic. Fantastic in it. She is definitely a a big name that I think uh, was kind of a coup for them. And and you know, and she's uh, she's she's really spectacular in it as well. A couple other people that are worth no- noted noting. Uh, really, the supporting cast, the casting in this show is just fantastic. Uh, Richard T. Jones, another uh, actor, is a, is a major supporting cast member throughout the entire series. And the other person I want to call out is is Dean Winters, who uh, you most people will know. He's Mayhem in the uh, uh, in the Allstate Mayhem ads, uh, but he's also the Vulture if you're a Brooklyn Nine Nine fan. And he actually, it's nice. He gets to play a real character in this one. Um, he's a he is. Uh, we meet him in the pilot. Uh, he is Sarah's fiance, and well, he's Sarah's boyfriend. And when he proposes to her, she basically takes John and leaves. But he comes back after the time jump. He's married, but he um, still has some affection for Sarah, but he really has affection for John. Um, and he really kind of considers himself a surrogate father to John. And so he he does some really great work. This is The casting in this is just up, down, for the most part. Uh, when I get to when we get to the good bad, I'll talk about some of the cast that doesn't work as well. But for the most part, uh, top to bottom, this is great casting. Dean Winters was on the HBO series Oz, if I remember correctly. I believe that is correct as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just remember that. That's a tough show. Sorry. He just it, as soon as you mentioned no, that, it's, I, that's a tough show. And speaking of 90210, I also have my boy Luke Perry. May he rest in peace on it for a while. Yes. Uh, but uh, it is a show I have never watched again no. uh, because I watched it when it was on and I have zero interest in it. I don't need that in my brain. No, I agree. So, Mike, throughout our six-episode look at the Terminator franchise of films, there was a reoccurring theme with you throughout parts two through six And that reoccurring theme was that you think that the Terminator films have a, quote, John Connor problem. And you were were able to expand uh, immensely uh, on why you thought that was and made some very, very solid points. I think with each episode when we talked about that, if I was to peg your favorite John Connor performance from our discussion, I would say it was the Nick Stahl performance in mm-hmm. Terminator 3. Would you agree? 100% I would agree. Having said that, does Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles have a John Connor problem? Oh, they do not, my friend. They have solved the John Connor problem. I cannot believe, I even tweeted this out, that I cannot believe the answer to an ongoing problem I've had with a very popular sci-fi action series was Thomas Decker, who, for those who don't know, had been in Heroes prior to this, but he was he was a bit of a nobody. I love John Connor in this. This is absolutely a series that sells... and. This is a series that creates a John Connor that I can get behind. And I I kind of think that that might just be the inherent advantage of a TV show. They've got more room to to spread him out. But what I noticed as I was watching it was in my mind, I had always kind of pictured John. You know, we're fighting a war against the machines, right? We're we're fighting a war against anti-humanity. And so the leader of the resistance, the person that's able to unite mankind, he needs 
he shouldn't be cold and detached. He actually needs to be the most human of us, the most empathetic of us. Somebody that is like kind of like the embodiment of love and empathy. Um, that's what I thought Salvation really screwed up, right? Because Christian Bale is just so cold and detached in that movie. Who's going to lead that? Who's going to follow that guy anywhere? Decker really nails that. He's almost kind of like, he's almost kind of like Captain America. And I don't mean big heroic buff Chris Evans, Captain America. I mean, in the first Avenger, little scrawny Steve Rogers, when Stanley Tucci asks him, you know, so you want to kill Nazis? And he says, I don't want to kill anyone. I just don't like bullies, no matter where they're from. That is how Decker and the writers play John Connor in this. He has to make some tough decisions. He has to do some tough things, but they kill him every time he does it. He has to trade lives, and he hates it. He will not trade lives if he can't. I don't want to get into too many spoilers, because I'm assuming, I know, Dana, you haven't seen it, and I'm assuming a lot of the listeners probably haven't watched the show, but there is a point at the end of season one, beginning of season two, where Cameron reverts back to her Terminator ways. And Derek Reese and and Sarah Connor and everybody else, they want they just want to destroy Cameron. And John absolutely believes she can be fixed and literally risks everything to save her. And 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 even has a line to Sarah in one episode where he basically says, you know, if we lose who we are, then we've lost already and just let the machines have the world. This is such a fantastic. This is all I wanted out of John Connor. Like, this is all I have been like, I've been hitting this point movie after movie. This is the John Connor I wanted all along. Um, This is I love him. I love the way they play his character. I think he is absolutely what puts this series over the top for me. I don't think you realize how happy that makes me to hear all of this. <laughs> like I'm I'm excited for you just to hear all this and I'm really excited to to really dive into this show now. Like this is this sounds I mean fascinating is not the best word. Like I'm I'm excited to watch this show. I have a question though. Let me ask you this. I watched the pilot episode. Now the show obviously gets picked up For those who don't know, pilots, they make a ton of pilots every year for the networks. Networks decide which ones they want to go with. They greenlight the show. They pump up the production budget and they they produce X number of episodes per season. So this there was a pilot made for this. That's what I've seen. How does the on a visual level, on an effects level, how does the quality of the show evolve from that pilot episode? So the first season is pretty consistent with the pilot episode, which means it's it's okay for TV, but it's a little dodgy. There is an episode, and I'll talk when we get down, you know, towards the end of the episode. I'll talk about what I think are the best episodes that if somebody doesn't want to watch all 31, I've singled out the 10 that I think you could watch that would give you a sense of the show. The special effects there is one episode um season one episode six called dungeons and dragons that takes place primarily in the future and they do they clearly spent a good bulk of their budget there the future in this show looks very much like the cameron future it's it's gritty and it's grimy season two sees a pretty distinct step up we get uh so again not really a spoiler because she gives it away right away shirley manson plays a t1001 so she's an upgrade on the t1000 but we we get the more 
morphing, we get the the sort of glassy morphing technology that we see in T2 when Shirley Manson appears in season two. So we do get a we do get a step up. There's a lot of practical effects because it's a TV show. So there's a lot of cars and trucks that are actually blowing up, which is kind of nice. I would say it's for 2007, 2008, it's on the higher end of TV, but it's still TV. And folks, remember, this is before we went into peak TV. I mean, I think, you know, Breaking Bad had just barely started. So we didn't have shows like Game of Thrones where TV shows had the budgets of of Marvel movies. Uh, but I think they look okay. To the best of your knowledge, was this series popular at the time or was it one that kind of really flew under the radar? It didn't fly under the radar as much as say maybe something like Firefly did, but it was really popular with the people who liked it, but it never really pulled very, I mean, there's a reason it got canceled, right? It never really pulled big numbers and it was clearly an expensive show. I mean, that's the worst of all possible options in TV is you don't pull big viewership numbers and you're expensive. You can be expensive if you pull big viewership numbers or you can pull lower viewership numbers, but you just can't cost a ton of money to make. Um, I mean, the CW shows have have existed, you know, the CW superhero shows have existed for years with relatively low viewership, but A, they're devoted, and B, the budgets are relatively low. This was on Fox. It had high budgets. It didn't pull the numbers, and Fox is notorious. I mean, this is the network that canceled Firefly, right? Like, we're all going to remember Fox is notorious for bankrolling sci-fi TV shows and then getting hissy-pissy when they don't pull NCIS numbers and canceling them. If you were to compare the two seasons, how would you compare them? I think season one is top to bottom perfect. I don't think there's a single bad episode in season one. Uh, Season one is also only nine episodes long. I am a pro... I am very pro the new model of TV where our TV seasons are between 10 and 13 episodes. I have for years uh, kind of ranted against the 22 episode TV season because I think it leads to filler. And season two, uh, I think is an example of that. I think the best episodes of season two are better than just about anything that is in season one. But unlike season one, which has no filler, season two, more than half the season, I kind of feel like every episode's good, but I feel like more than half the season is kind of just filler. I think if season two was 10 to 13 episodes, season two might actually be a perfect season of TV. Now, without getting into any spoilers, you mentioned that the show was canceled. That always concerns me when I want to get into a a, a TV series that I know was canceled because I wonder if I'm going to be left wanting more or or feeling uh, unsatisfied or that, that, no, I didn't get the, I didn't get the complete story. The question I have, of course, is does season two end on a cliffhanger with it where the showrunner obviously thought they were going to get picked up for a third season or is there somewhat of a, okay, that was the series. I can handle that. Uh, no, it 100% ends on a cliffhanger. They clearly were planning on a season three. There is a huge sway, a uh, huge swing uh, that ends season two uh, that that leads to a big, big cliffhanger. That being said, I still feel like the show is incredibly satisfying. Uh, the cliffhanger, it, it almost helps because, you know, what you really hate when you see shows get canceled is like main characters in a car and there's a car bomb and the car bomb, you know, might blow up. It might not. And then that's where the series ends. Those just frustrate me to no end. They almost make me not want to watch a show. 
the cliffhanger at the end of season two is such a big swing for a different direction that the show was going to go into that I almost think it doesn't it's still kind of satisfying because I think you could spring off it as far as like almost like write you know write your own fan fiction. It goes in such an interesting direction that but I will say if people want to just get a taste of this and have what feels like to me a complete story watch all of season one and the first episode of season two i think you could stop there and that's 10 episodes and i think you could feel like you've had a very satisfying terminator story it it doesn't it doesn't wrap anything up it doesn't end anything but it still tells a very satisfying self-contained story or watch the whole thing because i do think it's still satisfying even though it hangs on a cliff it ends on a cliff you clearly are a big fan of the show And you've got me excited to want to watch it. So I want to kind of do this next section in reverse. I would rather you talk about the things you don't like first and then roll into the things you do like. So what are are some of the things you're not crazy about with this show? Well, a couple I've mentioned already. Again, I I think season two feels really padded. Um, There are there's no actual bad episodes in the series, but there are episodes where you're watching it going, okay, I can tell this isn't actually moving the overall plot forward and like i mentioned it does end on a cliffhanger i don't want to get into too many spoilers i do want to mention there is some throughout season two there's some inklings that let's just say all the machines may not be bad and that it may not be necessary to even reprogram all terminators for them to understand the inherent value of of cohabitating peacefully there are some inclinations i don't know dana did you ever watch the show person of interest i have not no so person of interest for those who don't know is about a a genius who builds a a computer system that can anticipate crimes before they occur and he recruits an ex-soldier fortune mercenary to try and when they get indications that these people are going to be in trouble, uh, he recruits this mercenary to try and protect him. It's a lot more complicated than that, but that's the basically the tagline. And the big enemy overall in that show is a counter to the machine uh, that is using the exact same things for evil. This kind of hints that it may be reversing it a little bit, that maybe there's a good Skynet out there. We don't get it fully fleshed out, but it's there. Uh, the other problems I really have with it are some things that come in in season two. There's some new characters that are introduced. Uh, another resistance fighter from the future that's Derek Reese's girlfriend, basically. And John gets a um, another love interest besides Cameron. She's fine. Riley is her name. She's fine. She's good. She does a good job. I just happened to ship the hell out of John and Cameron. And and the, the unrequited love of John and Cameron is what kept me going through the show. Um, but again, a lot of it's filler. Uh, their entire storyline, and, and there's a connection that Jesse and Riley have. I won't say what it is, but it could have been wrapped up in like two episodes, and it takes... 11 episodes there's just a lot of padding the other problems are the same problems i have with a lot of tv shows i don't know how much tv you watch dana but it seems to me that it's essential in tv shows that characters don't actually communicate and that you know so many of the problems of the tv shows exist because characters can't talk to one another and that always drives me nuts this falls prey to that but honestly that's about it i really don't have a ton of complaints about this show okay so i know you've touched on quite a few but can you add anything else that can you add anything else to your list of things you love about this show 
Sure, absolutely. First of all, uh, we always, you know, I always mention the scores. For those who don't know, Bear McCrary is uh, uh, an up and coming. He got his start in TV, but he's now done movies. He did the um, score for the most recent Godzilla movie, which is honestly kind of one of the only good things about that movie. He is a phenomenal. He did, most people would know him. He did the score for the new Battlestar Galactica. And he does the score for the series. And it is easily the best Terminator score we've had since Brad Fidel's original. Um, and so, you know, if you can track down, I know there's at least one CD out there or it's on Spotify of the soundtrack for this, track it down because it's it's fantastic. There is a very interesting storyline, again, without spoilers and why we're both John and Sarah have to go to therapy. And there is some really, really great character work going on in there. What I'd really say above and beyond everything else is unlike a lot of the TV shows, this is or unlike a lot of the Terminator stuff we've talked about, this isn't interested in the big special effects. This really zeroes in on the people that matter. John, Sarah, Cameron, Derek, a handful of people from the future. And what this war that's not even really existing yet, the toll it takes on them. You know, every episode, regardless of whether it's filler or not, has something moving and emotional and, and riveting in it. I just, the best I can say, Dana, is this is the Terminator sequel I always wanted. You know, I, I wow. said from the start that Terminator, I didn't think Terminator needed a sequel. I thought it was a perfectly self-contained movie. This treats Terminator 2 as canon, so you got to have Terminator 2 with it. But this is what I wanted out of a Terminator sequel. I... I actually, there are a half a dozen episodes. I actually cried watching this show. I, I think this show hits, for me, everything that I wanted out of Terminator. That's awesome. No, that's awesome to hear. Wow. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm, again, I just want to stress, I'm so happy for it. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm excited. Like that's that's incredible. Let me ask you this: Is this this really like just the way you describe the show? Just the way you describe you know the seasons, the characters, and the way you describe how Fox is notorious for you know just let's just end this now. Let's just move on. We'll write it off. We're on to the next project. It, it almost feels like this show was produced 10 years too early. Like this really strikes me as something that would be so perfectly suited for the streaming services for Netflix or Amazon. What do you think? Yeah, if it was if they could if they could have the same level of quality, I absolutely agree. I, I and especially because like I said, I mean you really can. The only complaint I have, you really can trace every complaint I have about the show to the fact that season 2 is 22 episodes, which we know streaming shows don't do 22 episode TV shows. They do 10 episode TV shows. And I think that would fix everything that's wrong with this show. And I think it could have continued. And we also know that the streaming services are willing to throw a shit ton of money at these shows. Um, I do think it was it was too early. And I, I also think it fell in a weird time kind of when Terminator maybe wasn't necessarily quite as in the popular consciousness as it could have been, which is probably why they went to a TV show. But I never would have thought that I wanted a TV show Terminator, but I think it works better 
as TV. I think the characters need the time to breathe that this show gives them. I mean, that's really what it took to solve the John Connor problem. It needed 31 episodes of John actually growing and changing and showing what the leader of a resistance movement looks like. And so, yeah, I I think you're right, Dana. I think if we got this now, it would last, it would be insanely popular and it would uh, run for four or five seasons. Yeah. You mentioned earlier in the episode that for those of us that haven't seen it, that maybe can't commit to the, you know, 31 episodes that they have, that you had 10 episodes that you would recommend we watch in in order. What are those 10 episodes? So the 10 episodes are the pilot, because I think you need the pilot because it sets everything up. And I, I won't get into spoilers on these episodes. I'll just give a brief synopsis of what they're about. So that's season one, episode one. Season one, episode six is the one I mentioned earlier, Dungeons of Dragons, where we really see who Derek Reese is and why he's come back to the past. It's the episode where we get the most uh, sort of glimpse into this Terminator's version of the future. Season one, episode nine is the season finale of season or the the season finale of season one. That's also where Cameron first gets damaged. And so that and then the premiere of season two called Samson and Delilah make a very nice two parter where John risks everything to save Cameron and really where Summer Glau becomes one of the high points of the show. Um, She kind of kicks what she's doing into a whole new gear in season two. Uh, Then I would go to uh, episode four of season two. It's called Allison from Palmdale. We find out quite a bit more about Cameron and who she is. um, So I think it's, it's pretty pivotal. Pivotal, excuse me. Um, It's a hard word to say. (laughs) (laughs) Season five is a relatively self-contained one. It's called Goodbye to All That, where John has to infiltrate a military academy because it turns out that several... It's it's very similar to... I don't know if you remember, Dana, but in in Terminator 3, the Terminator's also assassinating John's lieutenants. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't just come back to kill John. She comes back to kill like all his lieutenants. So this is one where he has to infiltrate a military academy to try and protect one of his future lieutenants. And it's relatively self-contained, but it is a very, very good John Connor episode uh, because he basically gets all these military kids to follow him. Um, and it's exactly, again, illustrating why this John is my favorite John. Season two, episode 12 is called Alpine Fields. Again, another one that kind of gives some backstory on uh, how all of this comes together. It's just another really great character episode. Season two, episode 14 called The Good Wound. Sarah gets injured and she has to, she's basically as she's bleeding out we obviously know she's not going to die she's hallucinating kyle and kyle reese uh played by jonathan jackson in only a handful of episodes not michael Bean, but a very good kyle reese um certainly not jai courtney uh let's just put it that way uh he kind of has to help her as she's hallucinating him uh there's a two-parter season two episodes 18 and 19 called today is the day that i don't want to say anything about just know that it's it's terrific and then finally the season two uh, and what turns out to be the series two finale born to run so those are if you count today's the day as one episode uh technically i cheated a little bit there's 11 episodes on this list but those i think if you watched them and you made sure to just watch the recaps at the start you could get a real sense of what the series is i 
don't encourage that. I encourage everybody to watch all 31 episodes. I think they're phenomenal. But you could do worse than just do those 10 slash 11 episodes. When we did the final episode of our film retrospective on Dark Fate, at the end of the episode, we ranked our Terminator mm-hmm. films. Uh, just to recap, my ranking was at the top was Terminator Terminator 2, Terminator 3, which was kind of a no-brainer. Uh, then I put Genesis at 4, I put Salvation at 5, and I put Dark Fate at 6. Having watched this series, Mike, we'll play a little devil's advocate here. <laughs> Having watched this series, where would you rank this if you were to put if you were to kind of call this the seventh entry in the in the in the franchise? So honestly, I think it needs Terminator. Um, and so I would rank it Terminator. Then Sarah Connor Chronicles, Terminator 2, Terminator 3, Genesis, and and those will people will remember. The only way you and I really diverged was I thought Dark Fate was better than Salvation. But if I'm speaking from the heart, Dana, I enjoyed this series more than any other Terminator thing that I've ever watched. That, um, that's a very high endorsement. It, it really is. And I know some people may not like it as much as I did, but I really, what I wanted out of Terminator, you know, I mentioned one of the things I love about Kyle Reese is his, it's just, he's so painfully human in that first Terminator. And Thomas Decker plays it the same here. He's just so, he's just painfully human. Uh, he wishes he wasn't so human. He wishes he could be like Derek or like even like his mom or Cameron and just turn off his emotions. But he cannot. And that to me is what makes him the savior of humanity. And that just got me in the gut every damn episode as I was watching it. So I just I absolutely loved this thing. I am so glad we decided to to do this because I got to see a TV show that I frankly was never, ever going to watch. And it has become. Uh, a life I don't want to say life altering that's hyperbole but it has become a TV show that is going to join Buffy and Farscape and Firefly and Leverage in sort of my upper echelon of of TV shows that I love I, uh, I'm looking forward to, to really you know diving into this series I'll, I'll probably start tonight and then uh, just probably try to knock out a couple episodes every day if possible. And I look forward to sharing my thoughts with you. Um, any closing thoughts on the series? I mean, I think you kind of nailed it right there. But yeah, it, no, I don't. I don't. I mean, I think I will just say uh, the episodes, they go down easy. They go down like a smooth whiskey. Um, so, yeah, if you've got, you know, I mean, I chat on because I had less than a week to watch this whole thing. And I want to say I watched like 12 or 13 episodes on Wednesday. They just kept, (laughs) they just, they just go down. They go down, you know, and I'm looking forward to actually going back and rewatching the series and being able to take my time and really savor it um, because I can't imagine that I'm going to do anything but love it even more. But no, I, I feel like this has been a little bit of an episode of me just gushing about something. So it might be a bit boring for, for some folks, but I really did want to impress upon how much I just absolutely loved this thing. And and thank you, everybody that asked us to cover this. Like, I actually want to thank you because you gave me something that I would not have had had you not asked us to cover this. So I really appreciate it. Outstanding. Uh, before we go, how did you watch the series? 
So I actually bought it on Amazon. It uh, it is on currently on Amazon streaming for I want to say fifteen bucks a season. It was cheap. I think I got both seasons for like twenty five bucks. So it was it was cheap and it was totally worth it. You can get Blu-rays. There are Blu-rays out there of it, but that is that is how I got it. It is unfortunately only streaming for free on IMDb TV, which is fine. Everybody has it. If you've got a Roku or an Apple TV or anything, you can watch it on IMDb TV. It is ad supported. So if you're unsure, watch it that way. I, knowing I had to watch 31 episodes in less than a week, could not afford even the minimal commercial <laughs> intrusions. So I, I went ahead and bought it and I certainly don't regret buying it. Um, but if you want to watch it for free, it is streaming on IMDb TV. Outstanding. And if people want to follow you on social media... So you can find me. I'm at Hibachi Justice on Twitter and I'm at Hibachi Justice on Letterboxd. As of recording, I've been participating in the Chattanooga Film Festival, which for those who don't know, has been a virtual film festival. So I've watched uh, 22 short films and six movies in the last couple of days. And you can find all my reviews of those on my Letterboxd account and follow me on Twitter. You can also always find our 20th Century Movie Club recommendations there. So that's where to find me. Perfect. Perfect. And if you want to follow this podcast on Twitter, you can do so at Dana Buckler Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Dana Buckler. You can follow the show on Instagram at the Dana Buckler Show. You can always go to the website website the dana buckler show.com and you can email the show with questions or comments at the dana buckler show at gmail.com so mike we did it i know we said we it, did I, it i know last time we said we did it but this time we've really done it and short of uh another terminator film coming out or them picking this series back up uh this will be us closing the book on the terminator franchise as a whole yeah, I don't think there is much else to say on it. And, uh, you know, I am very happy that we're going out on, for me, the highest of high notes uh, as far as this series goes. Outstanding. And we're going to be uh, introducing a new film franchise retrospective very soon. We'll be making that announcement in the next couple days. Uh, so, Mike, until then. Thank you, sir. All right. And my name is Dana Buckler. And thank you so much for listening.